0: Welcome back. It's time for Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast also heard over the air on The Bet in Las Vegas. So everybody in Las Vegas, welcome and thanks for joining us over the air. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your audio. We would appreciate that. We're going to get right to our special guest today. Somebody very familiar to Raider Nation because he is part of you. That's right. A member of Raider Nation, uh, a, a, not only a a I think, Someone who's beloved in the nation, but somebody who wears their Raider Nation uh, membership on their sleeve, Uh, but you tell it like it is, too. So you're not just a fan. You're also objective. Of course, that is Jason Fitz of ESPN. You can catch him pretty much anywhere on ESPN, on the TV side, of course, on the radio show daily and also uh, digital as well. Jason, thanks for being back with us here on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's always a blast. And look, I love
1: talking about this team. I, I say this all the time, but one thing I really thought when I started at ESPN was that at, somebody, at some point they'd be like, hey, shut up and stop talking about the Raiders. But luckily, they've never told me I have to do that. So, you know, <laughs> Greeny gets to talk about the Jets. I get to talk about the Raiders. And I think, you know, Raiders fans, we, we get to sort of live through these moments together.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people today, they, they, they look at personalities on television And they forget that those people grew up watching a team. Doesn't mean they can't cover other teams objectively, and it doesn't mean that they can't talk about their own team. So it's interesting, and I know Raider Nation loves hearing what you have to say. All right, well, let's jump in. Since we haven't talked in a while, we're going to start with some of the big changes we've seen here with the Raiders. And, of course, you have to start at quarterback. I mean, Fitz, you know this is a quarterback-driven league. They say goodbye to Derek Carr. That whole weirdness around Carr, people love him, hate him, and nobody in between, it seems like. Now you move on to Jimmy Garoppolo. Give me your thoughts on this and what you're thinking about uh, the position and what a Jimmy Garoppolo means for the Raiders versus what a Derek Carr-led team was like.
1: Uh, This was the most predictable move of the entire NFL offseason. It's something that I sort of screamed from the mountaintops early on. I don't think that that's original. I think a lot of people saw this coming. And the funny thing is sometimes what you have to do, even as a fan, is you have to remove your heart from the equation and just put Mm -hmm. the shoes on the other foot game. You have to use total logic. So if I'm Josh McDaniels, and what I know is I have two different objectives. Objective number one is I want to build a team that long-term can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs consistently year in and year out. Objective number two is I'm not going to survive a bunch of really bad years. So I've got to win enough games to show everybody that I'm going in the right direction. I will add a third objective. And the third objective is, how can I bring people in that can help teach my system, my culture, and the way I want to do business? All of those things together led me to Jimmy G. Uh, Jimmy G's got an injury history that's well-documented. There's been a lot of conversation about who San Francisco did or didn't trust going into the Super Bowl. But let's remember, he went into the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl against Kansas City with the lead. They didn't get it done. How much different would we view him in this moment? So to me, Jimmy G is the sort of the the spot nobody wants to be in. You got a pretty good quarterback. Like, it's just, he's pretty good. And if he's healthy, he's going to be pretty good. But more importantly, think back to Jimmy G, the teammate. Have we ever heard a negative word from anybody about Jimmy G, the teammate, or Jimmy G, the teacher? Even Trey Lance, through all of he's gone through in San Francisco, has always come out and said positive things about Jimmy G. I think... If you just look back a few years ago, I think what the Raiders did in Jimmy G is they got themselves in Alex Smith. Now, they still need to go out and get themselves a Patrick Mahomes, but right. you've got to get in Alex Smith. And that's the the key part of this. I I, I know people don't like hearing it because it's not sexy, but this team is trying <laughs> to figure out the way to bridge the gap to being long-term competitive.
0: Ab- absolutely. And I think you're right. And, and Mo and I, and Mo's out sick today. But we've been talking about that since, I don't know, maybe November about the fact that When you have a culture shift like that and you have a quarterback, because a lot of fans, I think, and you hear from them, too, and that is they're angry because last year Mark Davis and last year uh, Dave Ziegler and last year Josh McDaniel said we're not in rebuild mode. And now they are. But the perfect explanation of that is what you hear from the coach and the GM, and that is, listen, we came in, we gave everybody a chance. We We thought we were better than we were. And now that we've seen it, we've started to make the moves to move on. Do you see that too? I think fans get angry because you know how long it's been because you've suffered through it too for this Raiders franchise to get where people want it to go. But this is a necessary step. You have to build long-term to win in the NFL and you have to get your future quarterback.
1: We have to remember that Art Shell Chapter 2, Bill Callahan, uh, Mike White, uh, Joe Bugle, none of these are Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's fault. Like, and and furthermore, they're not their problem. So the problem (laughs) for us, and I, I mean us, like, if you ask me my biggest Raiders memories, most of them are huge losses in, you know, 51-3 to AFC Championship game when I was a kid. And I remember <laughs> sitting there in the couch, and I looked at my dad and I was like, well, if they scored that many points in the first half, we could score that many in the second half. And it's like, delusion has been in my blood since I was a child with this team. But the thing of it is, that's not Ziggler or McDaniels' fault to fix. All they can do now is deal with the hand that they have. Now, I think Mark Davis was particularly brutally honest. Whether we like it or not, whether anybody wants to believe it, and this is world we live in. Like we want owners to speak, and then when they speak, we don't believe what they say. <laughs> what did he say? I know he said he did not believe that coach and GM really knew what they were getting into until they got in the room. That tells you that, hey, even even Mark Davis, and whether this is revisionist history or not, we'll never know. But right now, what Mark Davis is saying is, hey. I knew that the team on the field was not the same as the guys in the locker room, and they were going to have to come in and find that out. I, I will always go back to Harry Douglas, my co-host on radio every day. Uh, he's got uh, somebody that he played with in the league that he knows well, that played in New England system, that he told me one day is the smartest, not just player person he's ever worked with in his life and he asked him how complicated is that Josh McDaniels offense and the player came back to him and said it's like nothing I've ever experienced it is that (laughs) difficult and he said imagine this every single wide receiver every single running back could have up to five different reads on every play depending on the defense and the quarterback's got to know which of those reads are happening where all across the board so that means if you if you're in four wide right? If you're a four wide, that's 20 different options. And the quarterback and the wide receiver are going to have to see that the same. Now, everybody comes back to that and says, we'll simplify your system. Josh McDaniels wasn't hired to simplify his system. Like he <laughs> believes in his system. So this is like barbecue at this point. They are taking a slow and low approach. Like you just got to let it ride out. You've just got to cook. You've got to get the right teachers in the room and then build the talent up while you establish a culture.
0: Yeah and it's it's interesting cuz fans you're right i you made the the salient point at the beginning of your statement there which was about look all the things that have happened in the past is not this current regime's problem right but people see what happened last year and and there's been this false narrative and i've challenged it and i've i've been positive fitzy on social media and i get people coming back at me double time with the hate because i say look they they you have to give them a chance to do it you have to do this, what happened the last 20 years has nothing to do with what's happening now. What happened the last 20 years is because you didn't go about it as methodically. You didn't have, you had constant turnover, I should say, and so nothing ever was able to gel. When you look at now what's happening, and now it seems to be more settled, I think the fans' ire is more settled on Josh McDaniels because of last year, because they said, hey, this guy took a playoff team, and last year they only won six games, but you and I know you cover the entire league you know that that year getting into the playoffs uh, with Rich Basaccia great on him, and it was great that that team came together in the midst of tragedy, but that was not a sustainable playoff roster.
1: No, that was the luckiest year I've ever watched as a Raiders fan, and last year was the most unlucky year I've ever watched. <laughs> so where does it fall? Somewhere in the middle. Now, I, I think it's a fair criticism that at times Josh McDaniels wasn't creative enough as a play oh, caller. Yeah. I think oh, that's yeah. really fair. What we don't know is how much of the offense did he even feel comfortable getting out there and giving everybody. We just, we can't know that. And, you know, this is the, the hard part about it is that sometimes it just takes time. And I would tell everybody, no matter what you do for a living, I don't care if you sell cars. I don't care if you work in radio. I don't care if you make widgets, right? When new management comes in, they always think everybody's great. And then they start changing systems around. And the minute they start changing, you know, how many times, I don't care if you work at the local fast food place, and you're like, I do this really well. Now you're asking me to do that. That's what the Raiders organization has been going through. And yeah. while I, I hear people when they say, well, frankly, you should you should change your strategy to work with the players, that's not what he was asked to do when he got hired. And right. I, I think that's been pretty clear. So I if you look at the coach, the owner, and the GM, they've been pretty blunt about the deficiencies in the roster ever since they realized what those deficiencies were. So they gave it a year, they gave it a good old try and now they're just absolutely gutting this thing and trying to rebuild it as quickly as possible because there's just enough star power and talent on this roster to win some games. So you can't disrespect the prime of Max Crosby's career while you're mm-hmm. building for where you want to be in three years. So I just, I think the Raiders are in the first year of a two year rebuild. And I know nobody likes to hear that, but that's just, right. that's real. If you want to catch Kansas city.
0: No, I, I love it. Cause that's exactly what we've been saying here on the show is that you don't, a rebuild doesn't mean five years. It, you could do it quickly. We saw it in the league last year. You saw the Jacksonville Jaguars turn it around with the right coach and, and moving in the right direction. You know, all sorts of things can happen there. And, and Mark Davis this week down at the owner's meeting in a, in an interview fessed up and said, hey, look, a lot of this problem has been me. And so he took responsibility for it. I know it doesn't make people feel better, but at least you, he's identifying and he has people in place now, football people that he trusts implicitly. So they're going to be able to carry their their uh, their program out. Now, Fitz, when you look at what they've done, a lot of folks are concerned because they're like, why the hell are the Raiders signing so many wide receivers, right? Not all these guys are going to make the roster, but yet there's been nothing on defense. I've contended that, listen, you don't build a defense uh, to compete long-term by going out and signing a bunch of free agents. You you supplement a defense with free agents and fill spots, but as you know, the most valuable thing in the NFL is a, is, is a, a good player who contributes, who's a starter on a rookie contract. Isn't that what they need to do on this defense? And isn't that why in this draft, depending what happens at number seven, if they go for a quarterback, we don't have no idea if they'll have a chance, but either way that you got to fill that roster with young defensive talent. Yeah. I've, I've
1: covered the draft now for ESPN. I think this is my sixth year Um, Mm -hmm. last year, really proud. 10 million people watched our broadcast night. one. Wow. So, you know, on digital, if if y'all get bored with the regular draft stuff (laughs) on ESPN, which is always great, but you want to see a little bit more human reaction. That's what, our group of of people do no commercials too. So you never have to, uh, you never have to tune away. Uh, That being said, what you just mentioned and look back at the numbers field. Yates had them last year on Kansas city drafting. And the fact that every one of the players that they drafted in the first three rounds of the draft over a seven year period made the roster, right? You look at what Philadelphia did last year and their quick turnaround. And you look at the home runs they hit in the draft. Realistically sustainably, if you want to be great, You've got to draft well. That's just fact, right? And so the Raiders haven't done that at, at an epic level. They've it's been <laughs> terrible. We all know that. But again, that's not on Dave Ziegler. Like he's not the 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 problems of the previous regimes are not his. So this becomes a huge draft for them. Now I can I can hear people already when they say, well, why trade for Devante if you weren't going to be able to win yes. right away? If you have the chance to add the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, the best wide receiver. I mean, if the Raiders end up taking a quarterback this year, that rookie quarterback will have a luckier situation than anyone I can remember <laughs> as a rookie quarterback coming in, knowing that you're going to be thrown to Hunter Renfro. You're going to be thrown to Devontae. Jacoby Myers is a very good signing. You've got Josh Jacobs behind you. Uh, I, I mean, they, there are weapons that will help with the development of a quarterback. If Jimmy G can stay healthy, he's going to have great weapons to throw to. These are – keys in the way you build but i i I think the other thing and i know i'm long-winded here but the other thing that is really important about the defensive side of the ball is that this organization has proven now in two years that they understand what they think value is last Mm -hmm. year there was a real question about offensive line why didn't you address it and early on in the season in an interview they said look we knew we needed it but we didn't think there was anybody out there that was the right value at the cost they were this organization mcdaniels and Ziegler obviously are better at eBay than I am, right? Like they walk in and say, <laughs> this is the most I will pay for that talent. And if you even read into some of the interviews with the athletic where they said, look, we couldn't go all in on one guy. Cause we have too many needs. They're being brutally honest. Nobody yes. wants to hear the truth and everybody wants to yell about the truth we're getting, but, it's brutally real. Like there are too many holes and and you can't overspend on any one of those players. So you're going to have to sign depth players and you're going to have to slowly rise the entire talent level of the roster. It's, it's a boring way to do it, but it's a lot like losing weight. You can, you can go on Atkins and lose weight for a month, but the minute you have a, you smell a slice of bread, you're going to put that (laughs) fat right back on. We all know that we're trying to make lifestyle changes here. That's, it's just a, it's a monotonous process.
0: Lifestyle changes. I like that. And and it, and it comes on the heels, no matter what you think of them, of, of the Mayock-Gruden era, where we know how disastrous those drafts were been. Yes, Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby are there, but that's three. And, and you're talking about uh, only one uh, number one pick there when they had that slew of number ones over the course of three years. So you look at that and you think... OK, it's no question why they're in the position they're in. Um, when you look at this division, though, too, you look at where the Raiders are and having to do this, this quick rebuild, let's call it. Uh, and you see the Chargers, you see the Chiefs, of course, and now the Broncos with with a real coach. Um, it's going to be tough, right? You You kind of have to turn this thing around in the right direction and be really, really competitive in two years, don't you?
1: Yeah, you do. And I think that's going to take patience. I think when you talk about the draft, it's going to take hard decision making. You know, there, there's a level where McDaniels has already told you you can't reach at the quarterback position. So if you're a team that has a ton of holes, are you going to reach for a quarterback that may or may not play at seven overall Mm. that may or may not be ready for the league and hope that you can develop that guy? Or are you going to either stay where you are and take the best player available on the board or trade down in a draft that seems to have a pretty good amount of depth to pick up more. I mean, I think when you, when they keep telling you about the amount of holes they see, I think that speaks to, we need a bunch of players, right? So I know we're all obsessed with quarterbacks because we're taking on Mahomes. And when you're taking on Mahomes for the next 15 years, it's okay to be quarterback obsessed. I just don't know picking at seven that the real option is going to be there. Uh, It was Dan Graziano that mentioned the Raiders were actively trying to shop for the first overall pick. I think realistically where the Raiders sit right now it more important than getting a quarterback is addressing the most of this roster because next year if you got to pay a king's ransom to move up for one Caleb Williams and Drake may are already better prospects than either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young so like uh, uh, there is some (laughs) level of let's get the roster right rather than just worrying about quarterback uh, on night one of the draft
0: no question um what does your gut tell you they're going to do
1: my gut tells me they're going to stay where they are because they're not going to overpay for anything. And yeah. it's going to be an overpay. This is the analogy I keep making. Cause maybe, cause you know, like now I've mentioned <laughs> workouts, I'm on this fitness track right now, Good. but everybody has a favorite flavor of ice cream. Right. And so if you're standing fifth in line, you're standing seventh in line. All right. You're seventh in line and there's only four scoops of ice cream <laughs> left. Now, that first, everybody paid a king's ransom to go get that first. That first, I mean, Carolina paid a bunch. Carolina might like chocolate, and if they take chocolate ice cream, but you were never in the market for chocolate. Now you're looking at errors. You're looking at Houston picking it too. I've had some people tell me that Houston doesn't love any of these, but maybe Houston takes strawberry, and all of a sudden you're sitting there at three, and you're like, my God, how is the vanilla still left? And the guy behind <laughs> you is like, the vanilla. What about the mint chocolate chip? So I think what we see on draft night is a mass push to get into the top four. And yeah. and I, I know this sounds stupid, but I think the first four picks in the draft are going to be quarterbacks. One, two, three, and four. So if that's the way it goes, I don't think the Raiders are going to get one, which is going to leave the Raiders in a really difficult, the most difficult decision an organization will make in a very long time because the best prospect in this draft, bar none, without question to me, is Jalen Carter the most difficult person for this organization to draft would be Jalen Carter. Yes. So I I think it's going to be wild to see what the Raiders do at seven because there's a good chance that he's still sitting there and they will have, have to have done a lot of homeworks on the exact of the information. They'll have to have a lot of sensitivity to what's currently going on still with the Henry Ruggs situation. Mm-hmm. But as I've said several times, the sins of Henry Ruggs are not the sins of Jalen Carter. So you have to get all the information compartmentalize it job. I think the Raiders will sit at seven and take the best defensive player on the board at that point.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And the Jalen Carter, I know a lot of fans in Raider nation would love to see him in the silver and black uh, because he is so talented. Uh, and of course that, that, that negative PR and positive PR machine around some of these players, there's all these leaks about, you know, concerning interviews and all this other stuff. And it, it's uh it's tough for a kid because a lot of times you don't know what's fact and what's not. And fans are hearing it, and, and sources are saying, and all this kind of stuff. So it gets really difficult. But Jalen Carter, and then of course they got to address that defensive back. I mean, they have to address the whole middle of the defense. Fitz, what's the last, When's the last time you remember talking about a Raiders linebacker? Right, well, Greg I Beekert, yeah. Kirk Morrison, like <laughs> Kirk Morrison, I mean, exactly.
1: And neither, like I, I love you, Kirk, but like neither of those guys were out there at the same level as some of the Hall of Fame. But yes, yeah. you're right.
0: Yeah, so that middle of that – and listen, I know the linebacking positions changed a little bit in the NFL, but you still need that person out there to lead that. So knowing that they need that and the the slew of draft picks they have – and you're right, the depth. I keep telling fans when I interact with them, listen, it is so deep at certain positions, including in the defensive backfield – Including up front too. They need they need players in the middle. They gotta create a push in the middle. So it'll be really interesting. And I, I, I'm with you. I think they're going to heavy up on defense and do what they can. And uh if yeah, like you said, with your ice cream analogy, if a flavor's there, maybe, but I doubt I agree. I don't think a quarterback will be there. They might be able to get a quarterback as more of a prospect later in the draft and that there's nothing wrong with that. You give a guy a chance. I mean, there's one guy who went in the sixth round out of Michigan one time and did pretty well for himself. So you never know, uh, but it'll be interesting. Uh, Fitzy, I appreciate it. Tell everybody when they can listen to you daily on ESPN and what else you got coming up.
1: Yeah. So Fitz and Harry is on ESPN radio Monday through Friday, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. So wherever you are in the country, you can listen to it on ESPN radio and ESPN app. You can watch us in the ESPN app and we're also on Sirius XM channel 80. So, a good way to hang out with me and Harry Douglas. Uh, Harry's somebody that has also a ton of love and a ton of relationships within the Raiders organization. Mm. So um, that's always a we, we have a great time. I'm lucky I get to do radio every day with one of my best friends, and uh, awesome. he lets me be a silly, ridiculous Raiders fan. So <laughs> a lot of love there. And then when we get to the first round of the NFL draft, um, in the app, uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, all over ESPN's official accounts, you'll see. I I, I I'll just tell the world. I don't think I'll get into much trouble. It's me. Field Yates, uh, Harry Douglas, uh, Hawk. Um, I'm trying to think. There's like eight of us on this trap broadcast. And uh, we sit back and, and we're doing the same things everybody else is doing. We just also have a snack bar. And, you know, uh, I, I've told the bosses that I'm just bringing a bottle of something. And they tell me <laughs> I'm not allowed to drink on air. But I have, every year they put a camera right in my face. And uh, I, I always tell this story. But a couple of years ago, you know, obviously we all know that the first round of the draft didn't go exactly as, uh, as thought with uh, Alex Leatherwood. And the only time in seven rounds of the draft that I covered that they got my ear and said, you have to stall. We don't have any highlights for him because he wasn't on the radar (laughs) to be picked in the first round was Alex Leatherwood. And I just sat there and they put a camera in my face and it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. It was like old school. I just, I, I just started yelling at the camera. Why do you do this to me every year? <laughs> Next year, I come in ESPN.com. It's right there. It's like Fitz bleeds with Raiders. I'm like, son of a biscuit. There we go. So, uh, you know, we'll be there having a good time and yeah. uh, keeping it real as we always do.
0: Yeah, and you'll be in a good barbecue city too. So, uh, yeah. which I know you're, you're well familiar with. So it'll be good but there. Am as I well. allowed
1: to go out and about in Kansas City? I don't know how that works. <laughs> like, I, I, I have to wear.
0: You got to wear. You got to wear some silver and black. I mean, you, you know. You might you might risk yourself out there, but hey, you got to do That's what you got to do. That's all I have in my
1: entire house. It's like everything's <laughs> silver and black. I mean, they they actually made fun of me at the gym the other day when I was working out. Again, I'm working out. They made fun of me at the gym the other day. They were like, "How much Raiders gear do you own?" Because <laughs> every day I'm in a shirt and shorts that say Raiders on it. And I'm like, "Just enough, thank you." So yes. I appreciate.
0: it. Yes, our buddies had uh, homage, too. Great stuff, too. I know you uh, you wear some of their stuff, too. I love that. It's great. Great stuff. Well, Jason, thanks, man. We really appreciate you being with us. And I do endorse your draft show because it is like it's like extending. You know, a lot of us get together with guys and we watch the draft. When you extend, it's like you just you're just an extension. You're just a bunch of other guys, other guys there, of course, with a lot more knowledge than most people on the NFL uh, and a great team. So nothing against the guys on TV, but I love the digital side and how they recommend it. So good luck to you, man. We will talk to you after the draft. We'll get some reaction from you and see how you're feeling. Yeah, but love that. Come on. All right, there you go, everybody. I want to thank again, Jason Fitz, for joining us. Make sure you follow him at jason fits on twitter and then of course everything he does on espn uh you guys all support raider nation all day long all all your entire life you're, you're raider nation till you die and so is jason Fitz. so make sure you support him all right we're gonna take a break when we come back we roll on here on silver and black today and honestly original podcast